Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Uh, And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had, and gathered, um, had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So as we read this, we're like, wow, Abraham, right away, he started to obey the call of God, but that's actually not what took place. If we look a little closer at the scriptural account, we see that it actually takes Abraham years to fulfill the call of God, to actually obey what God told him to do. In fact, Stephen, the martyr in Acts, uh, explains this. He gives us a little clearer picture, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. It says, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. So the, the vision that he just received, he received it when he was in the land of Ur, not in Haran. And he said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred, and I will go... And go into a land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. After this, his father died. God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Characteristic number five of a call from God, and that is full obedience. Full full obedience. You see, a call from God won't come to fruition if it's only partially obeyed. If you only do part of what God told you to do, why would He honor the promise? Why would you see that call completely fulfilled if you've only partially obeyed what God told you to do? Let's go back. Let's, let's go back to 1131 and see what actually happened. It says, Terah took Abram. Terah's leading the expedition, not Abraham. His son and Lot, the son of, his, of, Haran, of Haran, so not only is his dad leading, which he was supposed to leave his father's house, but his, his nephew is coming too. He's going with his family. And then notice as it goes down, it says, but they, when they came to Haran, they settled there. So it, it wasn't a quick act of obedience on Abraham's part. There was a delay in Abraham's obedience. There was partial obedience. So there are, there are a few things about Abraham's partial obedience that really stuck out to me. Number one, he allowed someone else to lead a calling that God gave to him. And what happens? He gets sidetracked. He gets delayed because of it. Look, God's calling on your life is your responsibility. You cannot entrust other people to oversee the, God, the call that God has placed on your life. Other people aren't going to be able to accomplish it in your life for you. You have to do it. You have to take responsibility for your call. Abram hears this call in the land of Ur, and it seems like Terah's like, hey, I think I want to go to Haran. And Abram's like, well, that's kind of like the call. Let's go, Dad. It was partial obedience, and he got delayed and sidetracked because of it. Secondly, he doesn't leave his family as was instructed. So there wasn't like a clean break. There wasn't that fresh reset that God wanted. But the one that stood out to me the most was that It says that Abraham settled. Abraham settled in Haran. He settled just short of the promised land. And that that just really spoke to me. It can be tempting to partially obey God and then feel kind of fulfilled in that and just to stop, to stop there and not finish what God called you to do. 
well, God, I kind of did it because I did this. No, I want you to finish the job. I want you to continue. Don't stop in Haran. Don't stop just short of the promised land. To fulfill the call of God you must, and, to, and to receive the full blessing, you must obey it fully. So you, if you're discouraged right now, if you're feeling aimless, if you're feeling far from God, there's a good question that you could ask. You might be stuck in Haran right now. You might be stuck spinning your wheels, delayed in the calling of God for your life. So a good question that I've been told to ask myself and that I tell others often is, what was the last thing you know God was calling you to do? And did you do it? Did you obey it? Because if you didn't, you will be spinning your wheels. Why would God continue to develop the call of God in your life when you haven't obeyed the last thing He told you to do? Return. Go back to that calling. Go back to the last thing that God called you to do. So Terah dies. God rearranges these things. And Abraham now is forced to take a lead, a leadership position in his call. Then to verse 5 there, it says, When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So he reaches the land. He finally reaches the place where God's like, Here, this is it. This is where I wanted you to go to, right here. This is my calling. This is the promised land. But notice, as Abraham begins to fulfill his call, he, he can't go with his dad because his father's dead now. His father passed away. He's leaving. He's now leaving the land he was from, leaving his father's house. And now God appears to him. He receives fresh vision. When he returns back to the original call, he receives fresh vision from God. Fresh motivation. Fresh inspiration. And again, if you're feeling like you're just far from God, you're not hearing from God, if you return to where he called you, and to what He called you to do, you will receive that fresh inspiration. You will start to hear the voice of God again. You will be excited. Your, your worship before God will be reinvigorated. Verse 8. From there He moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched His tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there He built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Now notice it's L-O-R-D, the capital letters. He called upon Yahweh. He's now following again the God of promise. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward Negev. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt and sojourned there, for the famine was severe in the land. Brother can't get a break. So Abraham finally gets to the area he's supposed to be. And guess what? There's a famine there. There's a famine in the land. Number six, characteristic number six, is this. Adversity. A call from God is not without difficulty. Is not without trials. It's not without adversity. But God, I did everything You told me to do and here I am. And why isn't everything falling into place? That's because the will of God is often trials and tribulation and adversity for our lives. I couldn't help but think of Pastor Nick and Amber as they went out Nick is the former pastor of Ignition. He went out to church plant in Austin, Texas, the Fervent Church. The day that they pulled up to unload their house, they're, they're literally unloading the RV. They don't have any groceries in the house at all at this point. And Mike, a friend of ours who was helping them move, was like, hey, you guys should probably go to the grocery store because like, there's a run on the stores. 
because it was the day of shutdown. It was the day of, of lockdown, the day that they pulled into their new house. They pulled up to the promised land and bam, famine hit right away. And that could have been a discouragement, but they were just like, you know what? God has us here. And guess what? They didn't starve. God provided, their, God met their needs. In fact, adversity, guys, don't look at adversity as, oh, you're not in the will of God. If you did something stupid and you sinned and there's adversity because of it, you can figure it was because you made a bad decision. But if you're trying to follow and obey God and things are getting difficult, don't assume that you're doing it wrong. In fact, it may be evidence that you're doing it right. You see, God wants to strengthen and grow our faith. God wants you to grow in patience and grow in perseverance, endurance. And the way that you do that is through trials and tribulation, through adversity. Anybody who, who pursues physical fitness understands this. You don't get stronger. You don't change your physique. You don't grow in endurance by doing all the easy exercises. Just going to do a few more crunches and some leg kicks. It's like you're not going to get anywhere doing that. You, if you want change physically, you have to do the hard stuff. right? No pain, no gain. It's got to burn. It's got to stink. Like if you really want your endurance, you're going to have to go and, and feel like you're going to cough up blood. It's going to hurt. Spiritually speaking, it's the same way. If you want to grow in your perseverance, in your patience, trials and tribulation are the moments in life that most exercise our faith. In fact, I was just reading James this morning. It says, count it all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that, that they produce patience. Therefore, let patience have its work in you. So God brings him to the promised land. He's like, here, this is it. And Abraham's sweet. But it, uh, where's the food, God? No, tr- just trust me. This is the promised land, but there's a famine. Abraham, this is the promised land. I'm going to Egypt. I'm out of here. Bam, he bounces. But God is trying to grow Abraham's ability to trust his plan. Verse 11. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you were a woman beautiful in appearance. And uh, when the Egyptians see, see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, which by the way was a half-truth. I know kind of gross, but back then, family would marry each other. So this was basically Abram's... So it was a half-truth. It was his half-sister. Say that you are my sister that it might go well with me uh, because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. And when Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. So Sarai is probably in her 70s, and she was a gorgeous woman in her 70s, to where not just Abraham thought, like you might have thought, oh, that's cute, Abraham, you know, he loves his wife. But even the the house of Pharaoh took notice of Sarai. This is one of the few people in scriptures where the Bible is like, very clear. She was uh, an, attractive, uh, an attractive woman. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abraham or with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. So Abram already had an entourage. It seems like he, he acquired more in the land of Egypt, but of all the commentaries I read, everyone seemed to agree that this was a mistake. That this was actually a lack of faith on Abraham's part. Sure, he might have benefited by... He'll get the, Yahweh will get Pharaoh's attention, which is a good thing. He seemed to have provided in certain ways for 
Abram in Egypt, but all in all, this was a bad decision. I mean, ultimately, he puts his wife in harm's way for his own selfish gain, really, is what took place here. This was not a good thing. And later on, the greatest mistake Sarah and Abraham would make would involve an Egyptian servant named Hagar, whom they likely acquired right here during this season. In other words, guys, Abraham did not pass this test. Abram, he failed the test of faith right here. And I wonder if it was because he was not prepared for the adversity and the call of God. See, guys, when we prepare ourselves for adversity, when we, when we understand, yes, God's calling me to this, and it is probably going to hurt a little bit. There is going to probably be some difficulty. When we understand that, we won't be as tempted to run back to our comforts. Abraham ran back to the world empires where he trusted and where he knew how to make money, where he knew how to survive. He ran back to what he knew. But guess what? He left the promised land when he did it. He left the land of God's promise. But if we expect adversity, we stick it out, guess what? It gives God the opportunity to prove Himself faithful and to even move miraculously on our behalf and grow our faith. My friend Eric Souza, another pastor, church planted out in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'll never forget what Eric said. He said, I had a, a, a feeling God was calling me to Jacksonville, but I didn't receive the confirmation until I got out there. I never, I'll never forget that. He received the confirmation when he went. When he saw adversity, but then he saw God's faithfulness through the adversity, that's when he knew God had him there. What we're going to see in this next section is that God does move miraculously for Abraham, but not because of his faith, because he was a bonehead. And he's got to get Abraham out of this precarious situation. Rather, he's got to get Sarah out of this dangerous situation. Verse 17. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So Abram not only put Sarah in a dangerous position, but the danger took place. He took her in the harem and was planning on making her his wife and enjoying everything that comes with a wife and potentially putting at risk the promise of God. I want you guys to understand something here and notice this. God moves miraculously for the sake of Sarah. For for Sarah's safety. This is important because Sarah should realize at this point that she was just as much a part of the call as Abraham was. She was just as important to the call as Abraham was. In fact, I heard someone once say regarding this, the, later, the later mistake they make with Hagar, that Sarah's big mistake was thinking she was not a part of God's promise for Abraham. Characteristic number seven in a call from God, and that is spouses are included. Spouses are included. Those of you who are yet to be married, understand that. Those of you who are married, know that God will not call you to something different than your spouse. God is not in the business of separating families and marriages. Your call will be your wife's call. Her call will be your call. Yeah, it might take some time for you both to get on the same page, but the husband and wife are called to serve the same calling, to work together, to work side by side. 
And then the last characteristic I want to point out here as we finish the text about God's call is grace. And this is the best part of God's call. Is that there is grace. A call from God includes grace for our mistakes along the way. And I love that. I I take comfort in the fact that Abraham failed so many times. I take comfort in the fact that all the men that God used throughout Scriptures had huge mistakes, but God continued to use them because I know that I'm not perfect. I know that I need grace. And there is grace for, for God's call. There's all the grace that we need to get back up and continue down His call for our lives. Now, you might be in a place right now where you've blown it. You're feeling like, well, God can't use you now. And I want to tell you that if you're still alive, if you still have breath in your lungs, then there's still grace for you. There's still a chance for you. God is not done with you. You might not be used in the ways you were expecting or even hoping, but God still intends to use your life. He still wants your time to count on this earth for eternity. So don't don't let the enemy convince you God is totally done with you. You You might as well go find a bench on the sideline and quit bothering God because that's not true. There is grace for you and God has amazing plans for you. And I hope you find comfort in that. I hope you're encouraged in that grace. So as we've learned these eight characteristics of a call from God, I want to close by saying this, that Jesus is the end result of your call. Jesus is the promised land. Jesus Christ. And all the things that kept Abraham from the promised land are the same things that keep many people from walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Abraham couldn't get there because he was following Terah, his dad. You can't get to the promised land on someone else's relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot be saved because your parents are Christian. You aren't saved because you go to a church whose pastor has a lot of faith, whose congregants have a lot of faith and you happen to attend. You have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or you cannot enter the promised land. Abraham stopped short in Haran and so many people sense God's calling him tugging on their hearts and they stop short of receiving Jesus Christ. They experience it. They hear the word of God. They sense God drawing them and they stop short in Haran. You will not enter the promised land if you don't receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you don't finish the business that He's called you to do, And then we watch Abraham pass through the promised land. Why? Because things were tough in the promised land. Boy, this is so many people's stories. Oh, I'll follow Jesus. As soon as things get difficult, they're they're out. I'm not going to church. You know, things are just really tough for me right now. I can't make it to church. Oh, I I can't read my Bible. Just things are crazy right now for me. Or even worse, I followed Jesus and I didn't like... People were making fun of me. It was hurting my career and people bail on Jesus. You cannot enter into the promised land if you only believe in Jesus, if you only follow Him when things are good in your life. That's not true faith. In fact, the Bible says that God has no pleasure in those who shrink back. And I I often think of the man who, who prayed to Jesus, Lord, I believe, just help my unbelief. I think we all to a degree wrestle with doubt and unbelief. But don't shrink back. Don't allow difficult times to cause you to be in the promised land and then bail back to Egypt. 
because that will not be salvation. That is not salvation. The gospel is not about an easier life, guys. It's about a hope that is beyond this life. And you need to understand that you have to abide in the promised land if you want to be saved, if you want to live in the promised land. You must abide in Christ. And so lastly, if, if you haven't received Jesus, if you haven't truly followed Him up until this point, I urge you right now to count the cost and realize it is always worth it, regardless of what the price is to follow Christ. You will never regret it, especially when you enter into eternity. I urge you, do business with Christ. Commit your heart to Him right now. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray. And Father, we take this call very seriously. We understand, Lord, that You've created us for a purpose. You don't want to waste our lives. You see all the countless hours and days, even years that we've wasted, perhaps in rebellion or just doing our own thing, Lord God, but we want to come back to our call right now. We want to take it seriously. Lord, we believe with all our hearts that You have created us for purpose, that You want to guide us and direct us in that purpose, and we don't want to miss it. Lord, so I pray that You would help us to recognize Your leading in our lives. And Lord, for those of you who have never received You, they can't even enter into a calling because they have not come to Jesus Christ. They cannot begin to work for You because they have not rested in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I pray for them right now. As You're working in their hearts, as You've spoken to them through Your Word, I pray now that You would quicken their spirits to eternal life, Lord, that they would have the wisdom, the courage to receive You as Savior. And if that's You, wherever you're at, you're in this room, you're listening to this podcast, weeks later, I want to invite you right now to receive Jesus as your personal Savior. And if you don't know how to do that, I want to lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer. The prayer does not save you, but it helps you express what a, a heart that's being saved will communicate to the Lord. So just simply repeat this prayer. Pray this prayer in your heart. You say, Dear Heavenly Father, I confess, Lord, that I have sinned before You. And I know my sin separates me from the promised land. But I also know I can be forgiven by the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And so, Jesus, I invite You into my life. I turn away from my sin. I turn to the calling that You have for me that I could live for You in the name of Jesus. Amen. Awesome. If you have prayed that prayer, if you want to know the next step, reach out to me. You can contact us, uh, sean at calvarytucson.com if you're listening to this later or if you want to hit me up later. But take the next step. Again, partial obedience will not receive full blessing. So continue down this road. Continue down the call of Jesus Christ for your life. 